the future of photography. Hey everybody and welcome to the future of photography. Uh, this is show 135 um, this week, which is going to be a lot of fun. Um, and we have for you this week an, an intimate tete-a-tete, don't we, Jeremiah? <laughs> we do. It's just these two guys, Adrian yeah. and Jeremiah, are in deep conversation, or will be. Well, I'm looking... on the subject of <laughs> on the subject on the subject of a lot of nonsense that's been spoken on the internet. But that you could say that about most of our shows, to be honest. <laughs> and I don't know whether we're yeah. the cure or, the, or or just contributing to the cause. But the by the way, what does ISO stand for? Uh, something about. Um, Wow, there you go. <laughs> well, that's what our show is about. That's abs- absolutely. So I have, I have um, clickbait in, in a clickbaity styley. I have titled this show ISO is dead or ISO, and it's not alone. Um, let, 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 let me peel the onion a little bit on that one. Um, there's been a bunch of stuff on the internet recently um, uh, that, that prompted this conversation, and hopefully we're, we're, we'll, we'll log that. Uh, you know, acknowledge it and, and move the conversation on some but i have seen uh, uh as as comes around every now and again uh, a, a set of videos on youtube and other things and what have you about simplifying camera settings and how the f-stop numbering system and is, is very complex and and blah 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 and uh you know a couple of uh, different ends of the spectrum of commentary on this at one end of the spectrum you've got a, a gentleman by the name of tony northrop who i believe a lot of our listeners will already be familiar with he has a youtube channel numbering in the millions of subscribers um and uh he he did a, a, a as is his want a, a rather sensationalist look at uh the complexity uh of the way that we calculate exposure uh wind photography and proposed a new fairly complex numerical system to deal with that um and then at the other end of the spectrum uh, as a, a, a tremendous chap I, I think he is i think he's dutch but he lives in canada a chap by the name of, of martin hilbron who has a lovely YouTube channel, links in the show notes to this, by the way, and he has some wonderful conversations with a friend of his, um, but he also does re- reviews and educational pieces um, and, and is very much more of a calm and thoughtful and slightly introverted in a way uh, kind of approach to these things. But they've both addressed this subject recently. And to be honest, I think they've both got it wrong. And that's why I want to talk to <laughs> Jeremiah about it today. <laughs> yeah, well, uh, though um, I don't really know what, what, and how they kind of um, exploit, expose, and define the technical aspect of film or, or, or um, um, camera sensitivity. Uh, but I'll tell you that it's probably wrong in terms of what we look for today as an aesthetic. Uh, not knowing, I project my negativity <laughs> on it. Um, I, I, I think if you're doing... Uh, more scientific uh, work. And I have a friend who prints uh, in old style, whether it's salt prints or da Vinci prints or those kinds of light sensitivity. And he was raving to me the other day of getting a used densitometer Oh, because he was very excited about finally being able to measure the density of his four by five negatives to give him a more accurate understanding of how much sunlight he needs to expose his plates outside for the proper exposure. Wow. Okay. And I thought, well, that makes sense, though I don't do that. 
<laughs> I don't need a densitometer. Um, he's been doing it for a long time, but it's it's kind of hit or miss if you're exposing using sunlight, sensitive, sensitized paper, and mm. um, and plates to get the right exposure. And a densitometer will read very, very accurately just how much light will be blocked by your negative, how much, how dense it is in terms of the silver. But we, on the flip side of that, <laughs> who just want to take pictures and enjoy it, even in a technical way, I don't think want to drag around a scientific manual. And and I think the legacy of ISO, f-stops, and the like, are very much connected to that old-school photography understanding. And while it's good for certain kinds of nerds, I think there is a, a kind of barrier to really exploring um, creativity uh, by uh, trying to ascribe to very specific Right exposure, wrong exposure, uh, right film speed, wrong film speed, uh, right bokeh, wrong bokeh. Um, and I, th I think more about intention of the image than the science. I, uh, yeah, I, I, I think I think you're, you're heading in this, in a similar direction to me actually, because I, I was you know looking at the these uh, commentators on the internet. Um, uh, I suppose they're, in some ways they're the compatriots of ours, aren't they? In that sense, um, but yeah, people were provide trying to think about a new way, uh, a simpler way to describe the existing measurements that get that we talk about and we're talking here about iso or iso i don't know which is the correct pronunciation i'm not going down a that rabbit asa asa, ASA will do American yeah ASA. standards association yes broadly similar uh and uh, uh aperture of course uh, and shutter speed um and you know though those form as we all know the basis of the exposure triangle and they are calculated in different ways and um that's great and you have to learn it you have to learn it. And and there are certain people who really do need to learn it. If you are a technical pho photographer of some sort, you need to, to know what those numbers mean so that you can make the photograph that you want to make. Uh, and even if you're not a technical photograph a photographer, but you have to achieve a certain outcome, you need to know what impact those numbers have on the outcome that you're trying to produce. That's great and all very good. Um, but do we need a simpler system of that? I Or, or do we just need to say... That, that was great for the first 160, 170 years of photography. Um, and thank you very much to everybody who invented it. And now we're moving on. <laughs> well, I, I have a suggestion. For those who, who agree with us, uh, we should start a letter writing campaign to the International Federation of the National Standardizing Associations. <laughs> the International like a Organization <laughs> for Standardization, located in Geneva, Switzerland, um, which was founded, by the way, in London in 1947, stands mm. for ISO. They are the ones responsible for all of this. <laughs> Who are they? What do they do? And how do they come up with their standards? Questions I'd like answered. <laughs> 
<laughs> well, do you know what? We are look, luckily we don't have to answer them because we we're talking about the future of photography. That's our job, right? So, so I want to talk about where we go, and it's like there, there, there are good reasons why these things come about, um, you know, and and you know, they're of course, you know, the the standard to do with with cameras and and the gain function in cameras um is is only one of many right? you know and and they 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 impact all of our lives you know the security ones impact how we use the internet every single day and how our information is kept safe so yeah they they do a huge amount of very valuable work um and and maybe they can do some more by reinventing how the photography bits of those standards work <laughs> but but the thing is right so you know, the, that's the past right and i love the fact that my camera has an iso dial and it has an aperture ring on the lens and it has a shutter speed dial and stuff like that i do like that stuff and i do understand it and my brain can work in that way fairly naturally because i've learned it but i'm not most people and i dare say i'm not exactly the future of photography <laughs> so so I keep thinking about my phone, as we often talk about phones. Um, it's a real shame Ema isn't here today, actually. But the you know, on my phone, I just get, I just point at it, I point on the screen where I want it to 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 set the exposure, and then I get a little sun beside it, and I can drag my finger up or down to make it brighter or darker. How how does it get that simple from all of this maths and all the the buttons and knobs and dials on on other cameras? I mean the there's there's some things we can talk through isn't there uh you don't need an aperture control on a phone because it has a fixed aperture no and uh, and i'd say even putting your finger on the screen dragging it making a choice there is probably 10 years old now and we mm -hmm. could point or we should be able to point our camera our lens um our capture device whatever it is at a subject and just go Noir, moody, bright, <laughs> happy, and 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 those images should be perfectly exposed and rendered as to our emotional intention, Ooh. how we see it. Are and, you are you wearing? I'm now picturing you wearing some sort of tinfoil hat that is plugged into your phone, so your phone can understand what you're thinking. My tinfoil is charging at the minute at the moment. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> that, wireless that, charging of course well, oh, of from course. the satellite <laughs> <laughs> so it's yeah it, that's it i mean that would be nice wouldn't it i mean yeah we have actually we have filters on our on our, our phones and on our dedicated cameras actually these days that will that'll make those effects happen uh do they set the automatic exposure not really but it wouldn't be too far-fetched would it to set an exposure ambition or an exposure target given the art filter that you are choosing you know especially if you could if you had one called low key or one called high key or or, or something like that where where the, the name of the filter actually has an artistic intent attached to it sure and having taken the picture and looking at it you can go darker brighter um uh bring out the shadows just by talking to the picture uh, this should certainly be able to be done currently um mm. I, I i think that that the the relationship between the photographer and the mechanism uh, of choice should be as intuitive and fluid as the photographer desires so i'm not arguing mm. against highly technical 
uh, rendering or capturing of images. I myself like that. I enjoy it. Um, I know Chris loves it. Yeah. Yeah. You know, know, fiddling, putting a large format camera and adjusting and taking a incident light meter reading and a reflective uh, light meter reading and making choices and zoning it and all of these things. But I did learn this early. So it it is not a struggle for me to do that. It's just fun. Um, I understand it. Does it make an image better? I argue no. Um, Does it give me a process in which I sublimate? Yes. Uh, Do I enjoy the process? Yes. Are my pictures better? Uh, Now, that's interesting because there's a sort of circular influence there, isn't it? If you enjoy the process, that's going to stimulate the creativity and therefore maybe contribute to a better outcome overall. Well, I don't know if it's better, but it certainly could be specific. And if I, but on the other hand, when I use my phone and capture something quickly, and that's my one beef with the phone, is when I see a picture or a potential picture or something I want to capture, I have to fiddle too much with it. I mean, I can never just bring it up and take a picture, which is why I like carrying a camera. Because I can have my camera set and it doesn't take me, you know, a second and a half to bring that uh, camera up and and take that picture instantly. Um, I miss that. Uh, I would love that in my phone or in a device that was instant. Um, But putting all of that aside in terms of that process, I think that there are moments that you want just to create the emotional connection between what you potentially see or see and potentially want to reveal or capture and um, the kind of technical flow that you want to achieve in the process of taking that. And it sounds like a lot of gobbledygook for me, but, <laughs> but, it's a, but, but actually th- there is some distinction in this gobbledygook. And, and it, it's like the idea of taking a picture, going out to capture pictures, is something that, that all of us who are photographers enjoy. I'm just going to posit that. Sometimes we just want to do it without thinking. We want it to be instinctive. Mm, And sometimes we want to really understand every zone of, 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 of um, brightness or gray or, or cloud. We want to understand how we can adjust it to be the most perfect painterly image that we can capture. That they're not either or. They're sometimes one and sometimes the other. Our our equipment forces us into making compromises that we may not like. And as we move into the future, wouldn't it be nice to have a capture device as a camera that allowed us to control the process in however we wanted? to work i think that i think that would be great and i can name two or three off the top of my head which actually exist today and i would like to see all all in one camera um and actually some cameras are, are getting close so uh one thing um uh yeah just to, just thinking about depth of field um is uh i i like the cameras that have auto nd filters 
you know, three, four stops, whatever it might be. And so you could say, you know, and, and let's not talk about aperture numbers, because in the future of photography, you'll just have uh, you, you'll think of it not as much as you know, what's my F stop. You'll think of it in maybe do I want deep or shallow focus? You know, that, I don't want a new numbering system for F stops, you know, uh, or, or T stops. Um, you know, uh, I just like, you know, do I want shallow or do I want deep, deep? And, and, you know, and based upon that, I can choose shallow or deep uh, or, or variations of. And then the camera will sort out everything for me. Now, if you go out on a bright, sunny day and you choose a shallow depth of field, you want the camera to compensate for that, don't you? And that I would call an auto ND. <laughs> But there you go. And some of that exists today. The other one I think is really, really good, um, which I don't have. And I'm really looking forward to the first time I ever get a uh, a camera that, that, that allows us to do that is the automatic um, ETTR exposed to the right. So it, it's it's a highlight protection auto exposure mode. So it's get, capture as much information as you can, camera, um, uh, but don't blow the highlights. Um, and, and that's something that I know that I think some Nikons have that now. I know Ricoh do that as well. Um, and I'd quite quite like something like that. So some of that then then frees you up because you don't need to think of it in terms of, oh, what do I have to do? Or do I need to stop and not take this shot and screw the ND filter on the front of the lens? You can say, OK, well, I want shallow depth of field um, I, and it's quite bright. Um, uh, so I just want the camera to take care of it and, and, and not blow the highlights and protect everything. Um, same with the shutter speed. Do I want to freeze or do I want to blur? Do I, yeah. You know, um, do I want, yeah, do, do, do I want a short or a long exposure? Um, and do I want to really think about what's the difference in stops between uh, a 1200th of a second <laughs> and a 640th of a second? I don't really want to worry. I don't really want to worry about that sort of stuff. I just want to start stop. You know, it's just like, am I, am I going to allow this bicycle to blur out nicely as it goes past me or do I want to freeze it? <laughs> No, that's absolutely that. That is absolutely right, and and cameras are getting a little closer to that. Um, you know, uh, the I I currently use a as anybody listening to this uh, knows. Uh, um, current my camera of of choice lately is a Leica Q two, and and the Leica Q two allows you one to to work in um, traditional ways, setting you know. Uh, uh, you know, T-stops, F-stops, uh, shutter speed, um, just every kind of... Or you can just set everything on auto and let the camera go for it. Um, in terms of protecting highlights, uh, it does not do that automatically, though you can just turn on a zebra mode and with one click of the button, just you can see if your highlights are blown and just adjust with one thumb move, it shuts it yeah overexposure down yep and and that that is and of course you know every image is about 47 megapixels so <laughs> it is robust um very sharp lenses as we know mm -hmm. um and provides me with with um everything i need not everything but most things that i need in terms of just a unbelievable walking around camera yeah um so that it, it's very quick if the batteries last a while, so you can actually leave it on. You don't have to turn it on and have it even those two seconds to start up or one second. It's <laughs> yeah, ready yeah. to go. Yes. And and um, as the firmware gets better, 
and and it will, and it does. A lot of these things, uh, whether it's Canon, Nikon, Ricoh, or, or whoever, Panasonic, like it doesn't matter. Yeah, no. The firmware that they start to kind of um, adjust is probably very capable in terms of doing so much of what you and I have been talking about. <laughs> but the cameras themselves don't reflect that. In fact, I would argue that most people who buy a camera never upgrade their firmware. I'm is guessing. that right? Is that right? I mean, I, I suppose because I shoot. I'm guessing. I guess because because I shoot Fuji, I'm used to getting firmware upgrades. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, they are. A lot of the manufacturers have taken that on now and are doing more, aren't they? I mean, some of them are even doing paid upgrades, which yeah, okay. Boo. Yeah, I, I think no, that's a little bit. It, it, it may be within the letter of the agreement, but it's not really within the spirit of the agreement, is it? <laughs> Not when you're spending real money on a camera, you you really don't want to be paying for an upgrade. I don't think. Anyway. No, I I I I I'm struggling a little a little bit with that one. But but <laughs> yeah. But again, that's maybe because I shoot Fuji and I'm used to getting it for free. You know? <laughs> so. Yeah, ditto. You know, ditto. Yeah. So yeah, but it's so so we are talking about software as a um, as a potential highway into the let's call it the intuitive modes of photography software. Yes. But, but hardware um, is a little bit more difficult to adjust because as photographers, we are used to holding the camera a certain way. I'm talking, let's say about a 35 millimeter camera to an acquire. Right. Yeah. Yeah. We're, 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 we're making assumptions. We're, we're used to holding it a certain way. We're used to having the dials where we want them. Yeah. And that's, yeah. Prime, primarily why, while having gone through uh, many electronic cameras from the beginning, my first digital camera was a gift to me in 1989, Ooh. you know, um, uh, Mavica. Did it come with or its own can- tape drive? No, or, yeah. <laughs> or, a can- or it could be a Canon. I well, I'll tell you, let but- me ask you this question then. Let me ask you this question. When you reach for that exposure compensation dial, what proportion of the time do you turn it in the right direction? <laughs> <laughs> A hundred percent. Really? Oh, yes. that's 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 that's, that's got to be that's got to be untrue. I'll tell you why. <laughs> I'll tell you what. Why. Oh, go on. Then. First of all, the the dial is set on my thumb, so it's very. And I I've set my camera up for this. Right. So okay. Okay. The dials on my camera are very. I I don't have to uh, remove it from my face and push a button and adjust it. Right. Okay. That, that's a whole other. Other, it's why I went to Leica because Leica is meant for traditional photographers, mm-hmm. but w- with their adjustment of electronics, it's it's intuitive. Uh, so I set this thumb dial, and you can have it move um, in any direction you want to right. do whatever you want. Yeah, but I always because I'm a right-handed person, I move it to the left. Left is dark, and right is bright, and I, it's just my instinct. Yeah, and that with that that is sort of assuming that the 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 dial the exposure compensation dial is horizontal in your viewfinder rather than it the is. old match needle system around the sides. No, then That's then right. then it left is. would be darker so, and and yeah. and right would be would be brighter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd, 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 I well 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 done well done for being, well <laughs> I think done you've for being better than your problem. But but it, it I mean it so it it still is and and actually exposure compensation is a good example of of you know 
just choosing light versus dark, right? Stick yeah. it in P mode and choose light versus dark, right? You can you can do that, and so yeah, the, these things are there, but they're just you know, the, the, again, you know, it's still it's still uh, numbered in terms of stops, so. Yeah. Yeah, you know, and I know because I know my own cameras. I, I'll often shoot my cameras at, at two thirds of a stop below. Under. Yeah, sure. because that 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 tends to give me an uh, an outcome that I prefer. But why does it have to be two thirds of a stop? Why can't it just be darker? <laughs> it's just like- but by the way, because there is an assumption, probably by this uh, mysterious international organization <laughs> for standardization. The ISO people. <laughs> um, sounds like a blowfell doctor. Does it? Yes, yes. Of, it's def- def- you know, definitely a bloke in a mountain stroking a cat somewhere, isn't it? De- de- definitely <laughs> a James Bondian kind of affiliation. But they've standardized that the correct exposure uh, is x and you look at it and go that's really looks very bright to me always yeah yeah, so so this international organization for standardization uh (laughs) has some nefarious plot to overexpose our images for some (laughs) strange reason it is a strange thing it is a strange thing and uh well you know it it is what it is but uh, let's let's think about the future one thing i'd like to mention actually and and uh this is sort of gate crashing our show this week is a new app that launched Um, which is which is which is the photoshop camera app which has been much touted for a long time um and and has suddenly appeared right and and i know you and i have both been playing with it because we've been swapping pictures (laughs) yeah yeah how have you found it is it is it part of the future of photography for you well it's certainly part of the kind of pop art future photography i i I don't (laughs) I haven't found it to be um, exciting uh, yet. I mean, I like the filters, and they're kind of fun and and goofy. Uh, But in terms of straight-up photography, uh, I don't know yet. Uh, There's a lot of of apps that can do similar things, but I haven't really explored it in depth as it uh, moves into the uh, creative... um, uh, you know the what do you call it the creative blah blah of of Adobe of which I am locked into. So <laughs> if I if I could take a picture and it moves itself to uh, Lightroom, Photoshop integrates that, and I can further edit it, I would find that to be very very good. Now, but Lightroom has a camera too. That was my thinking as well because I've been playing with this. So for those that haven't seen it yet, because it is fresh fresh out, um, it is a camera app for your mobile device uh that provides you the opportunity to shoot with lots of wacky filters so at one level you can think to yourself that's not necessarily a new thing is it adobe you know, where, where, so, so where, where's the secret adobe source that you'd expect to get um and uh there, there's a couple of things for me one is that those fo- those filters are are not hard coded into the app they are based upon actual photoshop edits 
uh, for want of a better term, a collection of edits. You know, you can imagine you take a base photograph in Photoshop and you add layers to it, do all sorts of creative stuff. And they kind of like those non-destructive adjustments are then frozen and added some parameters to and then 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 inserted into the phone app. So I was looking up, well, how do I do this? Um, and apparently you have to apply in writing to Adobe. <laughs> there is there is a questionnaire you can fill in where you have to declare how expert you are at Photoshop, and they'll t- and and then there, there, there's some sort of filtration process that they don't describe, and you may or may not get chosen. But the uh, but maybe that'll open up over time. So that, so there is definitely potential for that to link back to what if you could buy those lenses as they call them, the filters in the app, buy them as as Photoshop presets for want of a better term um that could be interesting the other thing and the thing i will pick up that i was quite impressed with is that um one or two of the uh lenses as they call them the the filter packages uh have an equivalent of portrait mode where they will simulate depth um now uh, as as listeners know i have a very old phone at this point that predates any of that gumph (laughs) And I thought this is going to be a really good test of this app because I can take my really old phone and I can shoot and I can see what it does with it. And I was actually quite impressed. Um, I've tried other simulated uh, depth map apps or ca- or camera apps um, and they always get the edges very, very blurry. Uh, whereas this one from Adobe actually did really well in cutting me out uh, from the background and blurring the background. Uh, so that was really good. And that speaks to me. I mean, they say this got AI in it. I don't know what that means in this particular instance. Um, but uh, I was actually quite impressed by the software's ability to cut me out um, uh, with my iPhone 6S with just one lens than, and, and, and no other fancy uh, software algorithms. Uh, so I did a trial. I did a trial with uh, a trial selfie. So using the rubbishy front camera um, with me and my daughter, both of us wearing face masks, as you do these days. And it's it cut both of us out. And, uh, and presented yeah, it was very good. You, would, you wouldn't have known by that picture that anything was processed. No, you wouldn't. Right. You could print that as a six by four at least. You could print it as a six yeah. by four, and you wouldn't know. Um, uh, and the, those filters are adjustable, and as long as you ramp it all the way down, so it doesn't just turn the background to mush. Actually, it's fairly believable. I like the the idea in portrait mode that uh, there was a whole line of s- skin smoothing, all kinds of little adjustments that are very much in turn, uh, uh, you know, um, running parallel to what we've been talking about, mm. which is just intuitive things, you know, make the skin better. Yes. I mean? Like, boom. And- um yeah. And when Adobe do that sort of thing, because of the vast experience and, and the vast code base that they have, they actually do those things better than some of the independents can because they've got that depth, uh, 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 you know, d- pure, pure depth of existence. I mean, Adobe as a company is, what, 30, 40 years old at this point? Um, and so, you know, it's it, it, there's a lot there to, for them to draw on. And so they do do that well. So I have to admit, I came away from it with, you know, is it a 50-50, right, this new app? Um, 50% of me thought, you know, um, a, a, another app with some funky filters in it, you know, bit, big deal. Um, and part of me thought, actually, do you know what? They've got an opportunity here to take this somewhere. So I, I, I will it'll be stay on my radar, this one, I think. Well, I... I- I have uh, been exploring it somewhat, and uh, I'm quite um, impressed by its um, ability to connect uh, with a whole variety of, of quote, shares. Oh, okay. Uh, I, ha- I-, I have not explored 
um, what kind of compression they use, if it's raw, if it's moving, you know, how they manage that. I have all the filters uh, that are available because when I launched it, it just asked me to log in to my creative cloud yeah, yeah. account. So that, I guess, gave me everything that's out there. And I just downloaded a few that yeah. I... I think I, I have that because I, I do have a cl- an Adobe Cloud account. Um, I, so I don't take any of the paid services, but I have just the freebie one. And yeah, I did exactly the same, logged in with my Creative Cloud account and it made available some filters and uh, I could go to a gallery and download some more. So I did that yeah, for a bit. But, same, yeah. yeah. Um, but, but I think the, the connection between uh, taking a picture and having it uh, moving into Photoshop or Lightroom to me is um, a fantastic opportunity. Yeah, uh, just yeah. for workflow, just sim- simplicity. Mm. Um, we'll see what the quality is like as it moves through. Then, <laughs> so there's another. So there, there, there's another uh, a thing that we could wish for then in in the future future of cameras. Yeah, you know, we don't just want to choose bright and dark or deep or shallow focus. We don't want to choose freeze or blur or fast or slow, whatever that. We also want a seamless integration into into tools that we like to use. Yeah, so. <sighs> Anyway, so I, you know, to, to cut a long story short, but not really, because we've been rambling about it for ages. Um, I'm I'm not impressed by what I've seen on the Internet recently about creating a new numbering system. I, I think that's just going to add to confusion. I want to I want to escape numbers altogether, unless, of course, I personally choose to want them. <laughs> <laughs> I want to have my cake and eat it. <laughs> and do you know what? What does that all that mean for the future of photography? Well, I want everything that we've discussed. I just want them on sliders, right? So, you know, and I think companies like Luminara are taking steps in this direction, perhaps. Um, but, you know, what do I want? Well, I, you know, bright or dark. Can you get that on a slider today? Yeah, you can pretty much, can't you? Especially if you've got a reasonably robust RAW file. You can, you know, what, what they call ISO invariant RAW files these days. You can do that. Can you do... Um, can you do deep or shallow focus on a slider? Mm. More Dep- or less. It depends. More or less. Yeah, it depends on the camera, doesn't it? I mean, if you take a, if you if you have a, a computational camera like a phone, um, then perhaps you can. If you have a a large sensor camera of some sort, whatever that means to you as an individual, then it's less likely because that's most likely to be baked in at this point. Um, and the cameras of that with sensors that size don't often have the ability to read out fast enough at this point that they can take the 12 photos that your phone takes you know uh, and 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 stitch those all together so yeah um what else have we got um oh yeah wide or close that's one we haven't talked about that was my um that that was my thing to get rid of focal lengths <laughs> <laughs> I don't care whether it's an 18 or whether it's a 35 or whether it's a 90. Is it wide or is it close? And do you know what? Um, I take some of that um, from, from your world, Jeremiah, actually, in terms of the way that you might describe shots that you take with a movie camera, you know, uh, sure. a, a wide establishing shot, you know, a close up, uh, sure. you know, a mid shot, yeah, that kind of thing. Yeah. And when, when you know, when we traditionally do shotless, uh, we or or even in script sometimes we'll do close on X and we'll do yeah. wide establishing. We won't, we won't go 28 millimeter, two feet from the ground, 
<laughs> you know what I mean? We'll do that. Le- we may do that. We may do that later. I have heard that Quentin Tarantino scouts. writes that sort of stuff into his script, but uh, but more, I don't think it's more the norm, or less. It? More or less, not quite as as kind of choosing lenses and heights and all of that stuff. It's not quite like that. Um, <laughs> but we do get there um, with some, you know, with with some. Uh, projects, you know, you go out with the DP and you'll go, we're going to put the camera here. We're going to, at, you know, three feet, we're gonna use a 28. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, we're yeah. going to move it there. And that that's part of the, more along the technical scout of it. So that when you get to the set, there's an efficiency of work. Everybody knows ahead of time what's expected. Uh, but that doesn't account for like, oh my God, look at the sun. It's glaring off that building and it's absolutely beautiful let's throw that out and and capture what what's magic about this moment in time that's the magpie moment isn't it oh look over there something shiny (laughs) that's it shiny object uh, so we do that with all the preparation yeah Uh, but but having a plan is always very very helpful also in um i think we talked about this many uh, moons ago with that slow um slow photography um, episode where yes. uh, I pointed out that Japanese um, uh, photographer who would go without a camera and you know study the light and go into the woods and sketch and find his frame and know the moment and he'd do that many many times before he'd come back with a large format camera and set it up nice and easy knew exactly what was going to happen at a certain moment of the day and took one picture and uh, yeah. off he went. I don't have that kind of Zen-like <laughs> discipline, unfortunately. <laughs> yeah, well. Unfortunately. Yeah. So uh, I tell you what, we, we should probably wrap this up. But just before we go to Picks of the Week, um, I'd just like to pose an open question to, it's like, what's, you, what's the future of YouTube videos, right? If, we, if our cameras don't have any settings anymore <laughs> and there's no maths to learn, what are all those YouTubers going to do? The photography I YouTubers. Know. <laughs> I know. How to override the automatic settings in your camera. <laughs> Workarounds to get more complicated. Okay. Oh, that's a great, that's a, that's a great way to answer that question. And, and, and I'm enjoying the cynicism it implies. <laughs> <laughs> There'll always be something. Absolutely. Absolutely. Long live YouTube. Right. So picks. picks Why don't we week. start with your picks? Okay. Well, I have one picker this week, actually. Um, this is something that popped up in my news feed. And uh, I ju- just one look at the headline for this made me really scared, right? So if um, if you were to think about the photography of Bruce Gilden, very famous Magnum photographer, Bruce Gilden, what, what would you think of his, his signature style? Oh, I don't know. Is it, does um, he do social distancing? <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> so for those that don't know Bruce Gilden's work, he one of the things he's very famous for is street photography with a flash where he, he really invades people's personal space and he'll come and stick a camera two feet in front of your face with a flash and just blow you out. Uh, the the work is, is amazing. Um, it's often controversial in a sort of personal slash ethical way because of that very physical approach. Um, and so when I... Uh, when I saw a headline that said that he'd received a commission to go and shoot some COVID-19 stuff, I was like, ooh, ouch. <laughs> and he's been, so So um, the link is in the show notes. Go and have a look. Um, uh, I would say that none of this is in any way untoward and he's received permission from people before he took their photos, which he describes actually in the article as being a new process for him. Um, 
uh, but he's taken a lot of he's been he's been cruising the parking lots of supermarkets <laughs> and taking photos of people as they go about their their business and trying to pu- pull together a story about COVID nineteen. So. Um, yeah, it just just the idea of his style of photography matched with the social distancing requirements we have at the moment. Um, uh, quite quite strange, but well worth a read. Well worth a read. Jeremiah, what's yours? Well, I, I picked uh, a few based on 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 the theme uh, today. Uh, I, I thought that one was an F stoppers um, uh, educational article about creating mood. Uh, in your photographs, because we've been talking about how to kind of um, how how one's intention and mood, uh, whether it's dramatic, happy, etc., all the things we've talked about, how to get that into an image, and if we can move that from post production to the actual capture moment or close to it, I think we're somewhere along the line of of a fluid um, kind of sense of capture. Uh, mm-hmm. And then the other one was a uh, the most unusual and bizarre uh, camera called a Pixie. All right, um, yes. I, 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 I think this is one of the worst ideas I've ever seen. Interesting. Uh, just, okay. <laughs> uh, a, when I, when I first read about it, I thought, oh, my God, this is great. It's a camera. It has nothing but a lens. It uses the screen of your iPhone. It, all it is is... A lens, and uh, you know, and 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 you know, a it it's a rangefinder, so it just has a chip and a lens, and it it takes great lenses. However, it's thirty four hundred pounds or something. It's, it's insane. It is expensive. for what it is. I thought it would be like oh, one hundred and fifty bucks. You know what I mean? I thought it would be like super cheap, great lenses, and and it's it's that moment so you can take a picture quickly without yes anything, and and it's on your iPhone. I thought, what a great idea. It, it it is nice, isn't it? It's a nice idea, a re- a genuine rangefinder um, that that has very little in the way of digital user interface uh, because it works with your phone. Uh, yeah, yeah, I, and a friend of what, mine has played with one actually. Um, I'll put a link in the show notes. Um, uh, a friend of mine who who's had a had a play um, and uh, has got some thoughts on it. I won't give them away. There's there's a range of things he's thinking through with this, but yeah, the price is a bit steep. Um, but it's it at the moment it's it's a Kickstarter or was a Kickstarter, I think. Um, yeah. And uh, you know uh, anybody you can actually get a physical product to market as a result of a Kickstarter deserves some kind of praise. Um, I, I guess I, I was I was taken by the idea and released by the price. Yeah. Uh, I, just, I just thought it was. It, it was Says the uh, man who shoots with a Leica every day. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's just it. I mean, the Leicas maybe you know it's not a cheap camera, but it's a, it has everything you need. This does not. Yeah. And and I kind of looked at it as as a kind of poorly executed Chromebook. You know, a, a, Chrome, a Chromebook is something that, you know, if I'm on the road somewhere kind of rough and ready and I want a computer, I don't want to take my beautiful, throw a Chromebook in your back, you know, in your back. If, if it's trashed or stolen or whatnot, you can wipe it. Nothing really resides on it. So it's, it's one of those, you know, throwaway kind of computers that can be very, very uh, efficient and, and powerful if used the right way. Yes, yeah, uh, yeah. But not precious in the way we kind of tend to like our cameras. But finally, I thought uh, for my, my pick, and this really relates back to 
uh, creating mood and all that. This is this is a company called Dosist, and as you may know, um, cannabis is legal here in California. Ah, yes, and, isn't it? Yeah. And uh, there are stores. In fact, there's a Dosist store not far from here. All right. Okay. Um, they they tend to sell. Um, Blended oil products. Uh, I think it's directed mainly towards people who've not uh, um, smoked regularly. Right. Because it offers a medical dose that is very fixed. So people, it's like, oh, I don't want to take too much. I'm going to get too high. <laughs> uh, so it's focused on them. So it's a very controlled dose, whatnot. It's beautifully designed. I think they have a patent on it. It's, you know, all encompassed. However, the point is... What they don't offer these strains like, you know, bubblegum, Girl Scout cookie, citrine, right. blah. It's bliss, sleep, calm, uh, okay. relief, <laughs> arouse. So it, it's how do you want to feel? Ah, okay. And they, you know, say, I, I want to go to sleep. I want something that'll make me sleepy. Well, this is what you should right. do. Okay. I want something creative, <laughs> you know. So use, and 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 so it relates back to the photographic process of you don't have to be technically aware of what strains work well. Oh, I you. see. There's the link. Excellent. Good. Well, well done. <laughs> well linked. So I was finally <laughs> able to completely uh, conflate photography and cannabis. Excellent I'm work. Very, uh, very, very commendable. Well done. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> but yeah it is in that sense i uh yes a good point it, it does indeed fulfill the the brief uh, of today's episode which is to get away from the technicality uh and and to imagine right. what the future might look like so uh in, yes uh well what, what better way than that to to end the show um uh we we have been uh the future of photography uh this week a future of the mood that inspires your photography this week um, that's right and getting and getting rid of of, of complex mathematics um so uh you, you please um join our conversation uh you can find us on twitter uh or on instagram at tfopnow t-f-o-p-n-o-w uh be good to hear from you uh and uh, you can of course uh come to our website at uh, thefutureofphotography.com where you can find the whole of the backlog and as i said earlier this week is show 135 so there's plenty to dive into um and uh yeah that's about it i think uh thank you very much jeremiah it's nice to have pleasure and nice, uh, nice to have a one-on-one -on -one conversation just uh, every now and again Not, although i do miss Amy and chris as well <laughs> stay safe and we'll speak to you next week yeah take care bye 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 You've been listening to The Future of Photography, a production by Adrian Stock and Chris Marquardt. Subscribe to the show wherever you get your other podcasts. Find the show notes and more information at thefutureofphotography.com. Hold up. 